Momentum, helping men succeed in life. Hello, it's Tim and Des with you for another installment of Momentum, the show that's all about helping men succeed in life. Last week, we were blessed to have Danny Gokamuchi as our guest, where we spoke about some of the struggles that he faced on his journey. In 2016, our eldest son was killed by a lightning strike. The next couple of years, I had a cancer journey. Before that, our other son, through mental illness, hit the wall that became an international story. Danny is well known in church circles throughout Australia as the founder of Edge Church in Adelaide and being instrumental in getting youth alive off the ground in South Australia. If you missed last week, that chat with Danny is available on our website, that's MomentumAustralia.org. And as we sat down with Danny for round two, we started by asking him how he overcomes some of the challenges of his life. Someone asked me uh, one day, how do you handle problems or how do you handle challenges? And I said, um, I expect them. One of my heroes in the Bible is the Apostle Paul. Uh, he's one of my mentors in how I do leadership. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 8, he says this, We serve God whether people honour us or despise us, whether they slander us or praise us. We are honest, but they call us imposters. We are ignored even though we're well known. We live close to death, but we're still alive. We have been beaten, but we have not been killed. Our hearts ache, but we also have joy. We are poor, but we give spiritual riches to others. We own nothing, and yet we have everything. And I'm looking at the life of Paul, and I remember one day saying to myself, can I live with contrast? I think life is about living with contrast. Mm. Sometimes we live with blessing, other times burden. Sometimes attack, other times affirmation. Sometimes comfort of the gospel, sometimes the crisis of your faith, sometimes pain, sometimes purpose, sometimes faith, sometimes frustration, sometimes patience, some other times persistence. And so you look at life, and I could go on, and that is life is not all bad and it's not all good, it's contrast. And if I'm a true believer in God, God is God in my contrast. He's God in my pain. And he's God in my joy. And so we don't preach enough, I believe, in the Western world about suffering and persecution. And in third world countries, the Christians understand that. I've been there. I've seen it. But we preach a gospel often in our modern churches that promises what we're promised in the next life. Yeah. We have eternal hope. And in the next life, there'll be no cancer. In the next life, there'll be no pain. And what we do is we try to bring that and bring it to earth right now and saying you can have all that now. And the fact is I don't believe the Bible teaches that. God can do anything. He can heal everybody, but he doesn't necessarily heal everybody. And to promise people things that may not happen is a form of abuse. And I believe Christianity has to clarify itself and say Let, what really is the gospel? And for me, the gospel is Jesus. And if Jesus is real, in the storms of life, he's with me. And in the sunshine, he's with me. And that's how I've lived my life, through the challenges that have come, especially of late. So, Danny, yeah. talk about those circumstances. And, and uh, there's probably a lot of men who are listening who wouldn't know what you've gone through. Why don't you, if you're happy to, just talk yes. about those circumstances and how you dealt with those in the context of being a Christian and going through those, that trauma situation. Yeah. My current purpose right now 
is to mentor pastors and leaders and to raise a younger generation of leaders to mentor them, to be a life coach. And in December 2015, there was a wonderful preacher from St. Louis in my home, and he, at 11 o'clock one night on a Sunday night after church, he comes and prays for me, and he says, within three days of this prayer, young people are going to ring you from all over the world and they're going to ask you to mentor them and father them in the patterns of Scripture. Three days to the day, the phone started ringing from Europe, America, England, and around Australia, people I had never met. Mm. Now, that's December 2015. January 2016, on the 22nd, my eldest son gets killed by a lightning strike while he's at a youth camp as a youth pastor with young people. You can imagine what confusion when you've been told you're going to be a father to many sons and daughters and you lose your own son. Mm. It absolutely devastated me, confused me. I had to go back and ask every question, was I conned into my belief? Was my belief genuine? All those times I felt God led me with a real, I'll put it down into four statements, and they are sit, stand, sing, and serve. Let me explain. God understands when we break, and when my son died, I questioned everything I'd ever believed, as I just said. And I had to sit in my not knowing for several months where I couldn't preach, I struggled to read the Bible, and I had to let other people carry me because yeah. I couldn't carry myself. And I realised that God understands our humanity and it's okay for us to be angry at him and to be angry at life and to be angry at everything and not have answers. The beautiful thing now, five years later, is I'm actually happy not having answers to lots of things as long as I've got the answers to the most important things, the right things. And so what happened is about six weeks after my son died, I said to God, I don't know where to start. I've always lived by your word. If I don't have that, I've got nothing. Christmas. 39 years old when he was killed. I'm going to go to Psalm 39 in the Bible, and I don't normally do this lucky dip thing, but I thought I just need to start somewhere. Is there something in there you can help me with? So I went to Psalm 39, Christmas 39 when he died, and verse 4 starts with, Lord, show me how short my life will be. (laughs) My life is just a breath to you. You know, and right there, it was a description of what had happened to my son. Mm. My Old Testament scripture that I was was about to read in my journal, I'd sort of let it go and I'd come up to it now. It was Deuteronomy 29 and it says, mysteries belong to the Lord, they're not for us to work out. Yeah. And right there, I got on my knees and I said, God, I don't understand, mm. but I trust you. Mm. With those scriptures deliberately at that post, at that moment, I trust you. And in my head, Des, in my head, 
a voice so loud, but it wasn't audible, said, and I trust you. Wow. And I go, wow, you trust me. What do you trust me with? He said, I trust you not to give up yeah. and finish your race. I knew you were going to go through this when I called you. When I called you, I knew this was all coming. And I knew I could, you could handle this. And then in my head came, don't bleed with your pain, bless with your pain. I have prayed for over 2,000 families that have lost their children yeah. in five years. And I realised that it's okay to sit and it's okay to let your humanity have its expression. But then I had to stand. And I began to stand on the things I knew about God. And so I went from sitting to standing on what I knew, that the resurrection's real, Jesus saved me, my son is in heaven. The day he died, Des, he was supposed to preach that night. The sermon outline was on the front seat of his car. He wrote it at 10 in the morning. He died at 2 in the afternoon. His sermon outline says there are storms out there. Who are you going to turn to? Don't panic. Don't worry. Keep your eyes on eternity. And he died that day at two in the afternoon. It is very powerful because then I'm not a hypocrite because yeah. I can say to people, I don't know the answer to that. I don't know why my son died so young. I don't, but this is what I do know. Yeah. And I give all the things that I do know. That helps me to sing. So sit Stand, sing is my posture of faith. I would be in church singing worship songs with tears running down my face and people looking at me thinking, oh, he's really experiencing the presence of God. I was crying because in front of me was a picture of my son's casket. I'm in the same building where we had his funeral and I'm worshipping with the picture of his casket in front of me wow. and the tears of pain. So sit stand, sing, and then serve. Yeah. Instead of saying, well, that's it. If that's what happened to me, you can stuff it. Yes. What's that going to do? Yes. So I go, I'm going to get up and I'm going to serve again with my pain. And so I say to people out there, don't sit forever. Yes. Have your time to sit. Let other people carry you. But at some point you've got to have something to stand on. And that's where faith has to be personal, not in the second person. You can't go along to a big, wonderful church. You go along to a church and you do God in the second person. It ain't going to help you when stuff hits the wall. That stuff is all good. It helps me. Church is amazing. But I want to say this, I've got to know him for myself. So you know what to stand on when you've got to stand. And then you can sing again and you can serve again. And so sit, stand, sing, serve is going to be the basis of a book. I'm writing a book at some time called Singing in the Pain. You know, we, we remember the old days of singing in the rain. Well, we've got to sing in the pain. And uh, I guess that's my story, but it is real to me. Danny, can I ask about your other son and, and the pain you went through in that experience? Lots of men have sons that they don't do what we expect them to do. And I'm one of those. My dad expected to preach with me when I, when I was a little boy. It never happened. Because uh, I didn't know Christ. And so you've gone through that other experience. Are you happy to talk about that? Yeah, 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 sure. So with that one, uh, to the listeners, is uh, one of the most incredible things we go through as fathers is we blame ourselves. Mm. And we go through the blame game. 
I should have done that more, should have spent more time. When my son hit the wall, I got some of the nastiest letters from Christians. Wow. Saying to me, if you hadn't made the ministry your idol, if you'd spent more time with your family, these are some of the people that demanded my time when they wanted it, you know, but now it's turned around and it's my fault. And so I went through what did I do wrong? In my head I was blaming myself until one day this thought came into my head that God was the perfect parent who walked with his kids in the cool of the evening every day. So you can't talk abandonment. Mm. You can't talk no time with your kids. And they stuffed up really bad. Mm. So I thought, wow, well, if God's kids can do that with a perfect parent, why should I blame myself for what my son did in his 30 years of age? He was 30 years of age. He was a great kid growing up, but I blamed myself. And then one day in my Bible reading, I get to Ezekiel chapter 18, and it says, no longer will this saying be used in Israel that the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the kids' teeth are on edge. And it goes on, if you read chapter 18 of Ezekiel, it says if the father sins, he pays for his own sin. Mm. If the son sins, he pays for his own sin. The father's not responsible for the son and the son's not responsible for the father unless you are deliberately passing those sins down generationally. It actually says that the sins of the fathers can pass down to the sons to four generations, I think in Exodus 32 or 33. But it goes on and says when the generation stops that behaviour, opens the door for a thousand generations to be blessed. So you've got to read the whole lot. (laughs) And I think generational curses are not something that's just passed down. It's passed down by repeating the behaviour. What you don't repair, you repeat. And so for me, I had to ask myself, did I do anything that I passed down to my son for him to do what he did? And the answer was no. Uh, Did my son do what he do because I was too busy? No. There were other factors. So what happened is I had to forgive myself and say I'm not the perfect father, no father is. By the time I become a good dad, I'm unemployed. Mm. So, you know, I realised, uh, you know, um, children are different when they're little. You can bend that plant. We have a stewardship over their lives. But when they get adult, they make their own decisions. Yeah. And so I've got peace through that journey that I'd done all that I could and what I did was I took my son to every psychologist, every psychiatrist, Christian, non-Christian. I paid money to get him help. I became the best father in his brokenness. Mm. And today, him and his wife, marriage was restored, have given us three beautiful granddaughters. That son blesses me, his wife, those kids are a picture of God's redeeming grace. And so for me, I want to help parents not carry the blame game and going, you can't change. Even if you did make mistakes, you apologise, you put them right, but you cannot carry the guilt that God doesn't want you to carry. Uh, I live free, even though I've been through so much pain, I live so free. That's really really cool, Danny. That's a a fantastic story. I mean, you were telling us earlier before we came on air about what your son is doing now and that whole ministry that he's involved with. And that's, that is really a, a, a triumph of grace. Yes. 
what happened was um, he went to Port Adelaide to minister to the Indigenous people and feeding them, cooking them food. Someone comes along who's leasing a warehouse and they have to move into another complex and say to Michael, we're going to keep leasing the warehouse, but we're going to give it to you. So someone has given him the warehouse and paying the lease on it. And he's now feeding a 1,000 people a week where HelloFresh is giving $4,000 worth of food a week, the bakeries, the chicken places, people in the community, the police, the the local mayor, they all know about his brokenness and go, well, you understand that, so can you help us with our brokenness? But last week, the owner of the warehouse had to go and do an inspection. He was a bit nervous. Will they kick me out? The owner was nervous. What are they doing to my warehouse? And the owner walks in and says, wow, what are you doing? And she goes, I work with my church on Friday nights feeding the poor in the city. My son says, what's your church? And she goes, oh, Life Christian Centre in Adelaide. He goes, my dad preaches there. She goes, who's your dad? He goes, my dad's Danny Guglamucci. She goes, what? She starts crying. She goes, my husband grew up with your dad. They worked together as teenagers. They were best friends. Are you his son? We prayed when we bought this warehouse that it would be used for God and that one day it could even be turned into a church or a community. And you are Danny's son. I had no idea. Do whatever you want with the warehouse. It's yours. Wow. How do you handle that? (laughs) That's really cool. Fantastic, man. Thank you, Danny, for your time. It's been amazing. Thank you for being open and honest. But before we leave, Give me two or three key messages for men who might be listening to this show. For key men, is it's not, it's not wrong to own your mistakes. To be honest about your brokenness is more manly than not manly. So for me, don't bottle up. Don't bottle up, you'll blow up. You need to find the right places, the right ministries, that when you share your brokenness, you won't be loved less, you'll be loved more. Put your trust in God, the real God. Don't just put your trust in an institution. Put your trust in God. He does have plans for us. And and, and the thing is, it might not look like that sometimes, but if he has long-term plans, he doesn't lose them and he doesn't forget them. Mm It says in the Bible, I know the plans I have for you. So if he knows them, he doesn't forget them. And don't walk alone. Please don't walk alone. Don't isolate We're all meant to walk in partnership. Find people that you can walk and talk with. Thank you, Danny. It's been uh, great to have the conversation. Thank you for your time and thank you for being the person that you are. Oh, bless you. Thank you very much. For more information, go to MomentumAustralia.org. You can also access a whole range of resources to help you on your journey and to get in touch with the team at MomentumAustralia.org.